0: wherever you may be around the world. And thank you for your company once again on truth 2 youorg That's truth number two, you.org I'm Jono, and joining me is my very good friend and co-host of the Tanakh Tour, author of The Moses Scroll. The website is themosescroll.com. Welcome back, Ross Nichols. Hey, Jono, how are you? Uh, you know how I am. I'm excited. Why am I excited,
1: Ross? Well, I I bet you're excited. I know a lot of reasons you're excited, but I bet one of them is is uh, that we have another Tanakh tour coming up, and you and I might have a little bit
0: of news to share with the listeners now tonight. We, we do now because of uh, obviously the situation over the last year and a half. Uh, COVID has not been kind to the tourism industry anywhere in the world, That's particularly right. in Israel, where it was where it was literally breaking records month by month. It was, uh, and it's it's um, it's gone down like eighty to ninety percent, I think, as a result of. Uh, uh, this blasted flu. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the good news is, uh, well, the bad news, let's start with the bad news. The bad okay. news was that we had to uh, delay or postpone the Tanakh Tour uh, for a couple of years. It, it, it should be, Ross, right now. You and I should be packing our bags and we should be in Israel already. That's right. Getting ready for the Tanakh Tour. Taking uh, the the Tanakh Tour participants on another incredible awesome wait, wait, experience wait, around Israel. Wait,
1: yeah. throw in life-changing. It's life-changing, Jonah. It absolutely I mean, is life-changing. Yeah, don't minimize the effect of this trip with me and you and with Tovia Singer. I mean, this we have people that we've made lifelong friends from these Tanakh tours because they've so enjoyed it. They've been exposed to the beauty of the land of Israel, past and present, and... I mean, it's just incredible. So I just didn't want to leave they, that out. Always
0: say no, but life changing. Let me just say because you say we make lifelong friends. I mean, it's absolutely true. People keep coming back over and over again. On the there's there's people that have been on the tour six, five, six times. That's right, uh, and they keep coming back, and we we've got to make it just that little bit different. For them and there's so much to do in Israel that that's not that's not too hard to do but you were gonna say yeah I was gonna say a lot of people don't realize these
1: tours don't just put themselves together you and I a lot of times will spend a little bit of time in Israel doing legwork going to different sites and you know thinking about the logistics of we can do a lot over Skype which we do we can look at maps we can share links But some of our best times in the planning phase come when you and I are together in the land. And in fact, Mm -hmm. a lot of the listeners probably know this. We were in Israel when this blasted COVID thing hit and and we both got stranded. You longer than I did, but but we were in Israel. Yeah, but part of, I I, I, I remember you (laughs) did get stuck there. Not almost, you did.
0: I mean, yeah. there's worse places to get stuck, Ross. I, I was quite happy to get stuck there. I was down in the desert. It was beautiful, but uh, I I made it back on a on the first non-stop flight from Israel to um, uh, to Australia. So that was historic, right? Uh, and it was really cool to be able to do that. But it just made it back before everything absolutely locked down, and uh, but we haven't been able to get back since then what we're going to do can i say it
1: yeah let, let's go ahead. i think we have to tell them and and we have to tell them why we don't want people to be jealous or you know th- well, we ought to be public about it so go ahead let them know. all right
0: so so well the thing is is that uh we do have a tanakh tour booked for november 2022 uh we would love for you dear listeners to, to join us uh the website is dot tanakhtours.com and uh, just go there and you'll see the tours that are available. Tanakh Tour, November 2022. We're definitely doing it. But there's a little bit of uncertainty in uh, as far as the questions of, you know, what what do we need to do? What's going to be open? What's the routine when we get there? Are we going to be jumping through hoops? Are things going to be easy to, uh, yeah. like, you know, what what's happening? What are we doing, Ross, about that?
1: Well, I- I got a call the other day from our very good friends Dave and Patty Tyler, and they hey Dave and Patty yeah good friends and and a lot of people know that that uh, we've traveled around the world together doing Shapira research and mm. uh, Dave and Patty they're going to Israel they this is the way they they started the conversation they said we're going to Israel December fourteen to twenty eight and and if you can go with us that would be great. Uh, They said, we also want to see if Jono can go, and uh, so it looks like, God willing, we are going to make a trip over there. Again, like you said, Jono, what we don't know, we do know this, the government has put into place, with some pretty tough requirements, that you can go to Israel at this time. They're opening back up, but what we don't Mm. know is, what does that look like on the ground? look, when mm. we when we bring a bus of 40 or more people from site to site, what we don't want to meet over there is, well, you know, this place is, it's, I know it's supposed to be open, but we're not quite open yet or, or mm. whatever. So part of the reason that we are going over there early is to test that out. We want to see yep. what's open, what's not open. Is it back? I mean, is it, Because we feel pretty certain that by November, things are going to be open, God willing. Mm. But we want to go ahead and look at some things. Plus, plus, we've put some things on this Tanakh tour, this upcoming Tanakh tour, that we haven't ever done as part Mm. of the tour. And we've got this Moses Country add-on. So there's Mm. some strategic logistical things that just can't be done as effectively unless we're boots on the ground, as we used to say in the military. So we need to put some boots on the ground. No one I'd rather do it with than uh, with you and the Tylers. so we're we're excited. Mm. Now, anything can happen between now and our scheduled uh, time in Israel. But we are in prayer that everything stays open. And yeah, and
0: that's good. always the case, though, isn't it? Any, yeah. Anything could happen, and that's always the case. And we've always gone regardless, uh, except for the uncertainty of, of COVID that has just locked everything down. Now, as you say, they've opened everything up. We want You can read about what that means, but you know, things on, on paper are not necessarily uh, – it may look different in yeah. reality when you're there. And that's what we want to do. We want to be there. And we want to see exactly how everything's working. We're going to be posting a whole lot of um, uh, video, probably on Facebook, I would say. Right. Uh, Just some short videos to show you, dear listeners, what it's going to be like, how it looks. You can join the uh, Tanakh Tour's Facebook page or just watch us on Facebook and we'll keep you up to date with that. Now, you also mentioned uh, the Moses Country Tour. Now, this is the add-on tour after the Tanakh tour, if people want to stick around and go a little further down into the desert, and uh, and th- I mean, we're really going into Moses' country. That's right. We are doing uh, some serious research, uh, some things that we have, some places we've never been, some things we've never done. Mm-hmm. It may or may not. Can I just say it? It, it may involve. It may involve Jordan. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to go mm-hmm. into that much more detail. But uh, by the time we get back from this tour, we're going to have a much better idea as to whether or we or not we can include some seriously cool destinations. My goodness, that's right. Um, places that you and I have never been. We're very very excited about the possibility of this if we can make it happen. All right. Now, one that? one, the other, one re- other thing, the other one of the other reasons
1: that we're going to Israel, and one of the things that we're going to do is uh, all of us, me, you, and the Tylers, are going to be tracking down some very important things related to the Moses scroll. And so people ought to pay attention for our trip for those things as well. We're going to go Mm -hmm. to the location where his shop was in the 19th century. It's Mm -hmm. still there. It's on Christian Street. We know the address that used to house... Shapira's shop. We know that. We're Mm going to go there. We're going to go to a couple of locations where he lived. We're going to see some of the Moabitica, uh, that was involved in an earlier case from the 1870s about which I'm writing the next book. So anyway, a lot going on. I'm looking forward to it. And I think that, you know, I really want people to understand that when, uh, Earlier, when we had to postpone the previous date that we had selected, mm. a lot of people were disappointed. They thought, you know, let's maybe we could keep it on the books. And it turns out that we made the right call. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. but fortunately, I guess you could say both. Uh, it turns out that we did make the right call because they only allowed the opening November 1st. But can you imagine? if we were bringing oh. a group of people over there with this uncertainty. So people yeah, no, that they're... want to go can relax and know that we're going to go check it out and it will all be good to go and ironed out logistically. It'll be beautiful. People ought to sign up. And they ought to sign up sooner rather than later, Jono. You and I both know once people start uh, getting excited and people have been, I guess, locked down for uh, for a
0: year, over a year. They don't want to get out. That's right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's already a, a lot of people on the bus, uh, so don't delay. It's definitely happening for uh, November 2022. That's the the, uh, the website once again, tanaktours.com, T a n a k h. T a n a k h. tanaktours.com. Uh, and you can place a deposit and secure your place. With us, uh, Ross, myself, and Rabbi Tovia Singer, we're going to catch up with him, too, when, we, when we're when we there in December. That's right. Uh, with a, a whole lot of other people, too. We'll be posting videos. All right. That is that. As you mentioned, the other reason why we're going there is to investigate more about the, uh, the Moses Scroll. Of course, that's what we're talking about today. We are going through the text systematically, mm-hmm. uh, dear people, and where we're up to is uh let me see now we've we're in the three right so we've done we've done you shall not kill the soul of your brother uh you shall not commit adultery with the woman of your neighbor now we are at you shall not steal the property of your brother i am elohim your elohim and uh where shall we start ross i mean obviously um we have in exodus we have in deuteronomy uh, the same order as you pointed out last week, right? And uh, it, and and we've already mentioned in the last uh, couple of programs that the Moses Scroll includes these qualifiers, the property of your brother, mm-hmm. uh, in this case, which is missing from both copies of uh, the ten words in the canonical text. Uh, where would you like to begin? Well, I guess we could begin
1: uh, if we look at this. Call it commandment or this word in the canonical 10 words, as you pointed out, Exodus 20 and verse 15 and Deuteronomy 5 and verse 19 have simply, very pointedly, lo tignov, don't don't steal or literally, no, you shall steal. Uh, obviously, I think people understand theft. We can define it in legal terms, in modern language, as larceny, theft, taking basically taking the property uh, of uh, of someone. Uh, you're taking something that doesn't belong to you. Now, mm. aside from those two references, I did have in my notes that Leviticus 19, and you notice as we work through these 10 um these 10 words in Shapira's manuscript yeah. um we we often are looking at uh some of these things not only as they appear but we're also finding it in uh in the canonical text so here we have Leviticus 19 which what I was going to say is we we often end up in Leviticus 19 in fact mm-hmm. When this scroll first hit the news in uh, 1883, there were some who brought that up. You know, they said, you know, Mm -hmm. even though Leviticus 19, which is called by scholars the Holiness Code, even though it doesn't directly correspond to the Shapira manuscript, there are some correlations there. And one of those is we have 10 uh, words in Leviticus 19 in the Holiness Code, Mm -hmm. And, and each of those 10 end in something similar to what we find in the Moses scroll. Yep. Instead of, however, Moses scroll says at the end of each word, it says, I am Elohim, your Elohim. Mm-hmm. In Leviticus 19, each of these are followed by I am Jehovah, your mm-hmm. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: So people have kind of noticed that. Well, here we have a connection. If you look at Leviticus 19.11, uh, the English says, you shall not steal. That's uh, lo tignovu." vu. Uh, you shall not deal falsely. And you shall not lie to one another. Mm-hmm. Now, that's kind of interesting, uh, the way that lays that out. But one of the things that I just wanted to touch on, we can go as deeply as you want to in it, but one of the things that I saw when I was studying uh, the Ten Words in in the Hebrew Bible, it's it's not necessarily just the property. In other words, there are cases uh, where it can refer to another person. For instance, mm-hmm. kidnapping is referred to as the by the same root word "ganav" to basically to steal or to to take something or someone in stealth. You know, the the word steal and stealth, they're mm. related to the same root. Uh, just so people, and you can look at these if you want to, Jonah, but Genesis 40 and 15, uh, and then Exodus 21, 16, and Deuteronomy 24, 7, all deal with kidnapping, which is uh, taking someone. So mm. not only is it the theft of property, but, but also... You know Genesis thirty one uses this word variations on the word ganav to steal over and over and over. For instance, uh, our listeners who know the Torah, the the Pentateuch know that Rachel stole uh, her father's idols, right? And so mm. all of this about when she takes these things that don't belong to her, uh, it's it's ganav. She stole them, stole them. And then it's interesting that in Genesis thirty one and twenty we we see this idea that Laban uh says you stole my heart you know and and it's a diff- mm. it's not thing. literally see it's it's more figuratively it's sure. y- you took everything that i loved and part of that was his idols but it was also his family you took everything mm. Mm. uh and then actually there is a reference earlier in Genesis 30 where remember when uh Jacob Sets up this little thing where he's going to strip the bark off of these sticks, and you put mm. it where the, the animals are. Well, one where of the ac- yeah, one yeah. of the accusations is, "Hey, Jacob, you stole our father's flock." So Genesis 30, <laughs> 31, In fact, Genesis is just full of uh, this idea of stealing. Let Let me do one other about stealing and and how it has different shades of meaning. Uh, mm-hmm. Go look with me. At Second uh, Samuel, Second Samuel, uh, and fifteen is the chapter. Second Samuel fifteen. Now this is about Absalom. Remember David's son, Absalom. Mm. Uh, verse one. After this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horses. Verse one, and fifty men to run before him. Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. When any man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, hey, well, From what city are you? And when he said, uh, Your servant is of such and such a tribe in Israel, Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good and right, but there's, there's no one designated by the king to hear you. Then Absalom would say, Oh, that I were judge in the land. Then every man with a dispute or cause might come to me, and I would give him justice. This is good political Stuff in it, <laughs> and whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. Then Absalom did to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. So again, ah. we we have this ganav. It's a it a, it's a stealth. It, the root idea is not just taking property, but it's. It's the idea of being sneaky and and acquiring something um, which doesn't belong to you. Now, mm. uh, and and I think the rabbis pick up on this, Jonah, because you know if if a person lies, one of the things they point out, and there are verses to support this idea. If, if I lie to you, Jono, I have robbed you of the truth. And, and you've mentioned to me several times in our conversations this idea about this being a document of libertarian uh, uh, beliefs. It's about property rights and, and protecting mm. that which belongs to another. You're not supposed to take their wife. Yep. You're not supposed to take their life. You're not supposed to take their
0: things and, and that, as such, you have the right to defend those things from anyone yep. who would seek to do that. That's Go right. Go That's right. And I was gonna say
1: uh in my translation, there there is a word in this. Remember in the canonical text, it just says lo It doesn't say don't steal the stuff or the heart of your neighbor or the things of your neighbor or the property of your neighbor. It doesn't say anything about your neighbor. It just says low Now I will say that's good. I like that simplicity, that brevity. But the question that we have is why? And you've brought this up before. Why the added language here? And one of the things we talked a little bit about brother and neighbor last week, so we don't have to go mm-hmm. into that as much. But but here's a, something that here's something that we should think about. The Hebrew word that occurs in uh, the Moses scroll which I translated as property, it Mm. does occur in the Bible. But get this, Jono, it doesn't occur at all in the Pentateuch, ever, in any field. That's right. In fact, fact, because it's lacking in the Pentateuch, and it does occur in later, or literature, which is ascribed to a later date, this was Uh one of the proofs. That was brought forward by the detractors of the text, which said, Hey, this thing is a forgery, it's fake. And because their point was, Look, this thing is never occurring. This word, uh, hey, nun, sometimes it's spelled with a vav, hey, vav Mm nun, but you wouldn't expect it necessarily to have a vav in the Moses scroll because it's light on those, uh, uh, those vowel letters. So Hey right. nun. Now the question becomes, where does this occur? And I'll tell you that it occurs in Ezekiel 27, which is clearly, uh, ascribed to, you know, a much later period, right? Ezekiel mm-hmm. 27, uh, it yeah. occurs four times in Ezekiel 27 and it's translated typically as wealth. You know something that huh. you've acquired; uh, sure. hence, my translation of property. Maybe wealth is better. I don't know, but it—you know—it's not like they were packing around uh, Apple uh, cards or uh, Mastercard or Visa. Wealth <laughs> right. at the time was property, basically. Yeah. Um, it also occurs in three places in the Psalms. It occurs mostly in Proverbs. Now, really, pe- people debate. People can debate when this particular word or when the Proverbs was written. I, I want to refer to Edan's work, uh, Professor Edan Dershowitz. Uh, he wrote mm. the book, uh, The Valediction of Moses, and I encourage mm. people to get this. You can find it on Edan's academia page, and it, it it's free to download. Now, yeah. it's it's very difficult, meaning it's written for scholars, But I think many of your listeners will be able to get a lot out of it if they want to get that Mm -hmm. book. Okay, now here's what Edan says about this word, hey, vav, noon. Okay, what Edan says about hey, vav, noon, he puts wealth. Wealth occurs in the Hebrew Bible only in exilic or post-exilic context. And he gives a couple of examples. Its appearance in V, and by V, that's the symbol that he uses to represent the valediction of Moses, what we call the Moses Mm -hmm. scroll, has thus been cited as evidence that it cannot be uh, a pre-exilic composition. In other words, because of the occurrence of this word, some have proposed, I don't care what you date it, whether you call it a forgery or authentic, it cannot be earlier than Uh, this particular time. It's got to be after the exile, right? Now, Mm -hmm. what what he says, though, he goes through quite a bit here in a paragraph, and he says this. uh, This is on page 119 of his book. Uh, After he builds his case, he says, It therefore, meaning the use of this word, cannot be used as a mark of late text, as its origin and distribution remain a desideratum. So, his point is, you can't use this as evidence that it's late. Uh, He basically blows that out of the water with his academic Mm. argument. Now, one verse I wanted to bring up, Jono, uh, that I think is very interesting, and it's in Proverbs, and it's chapter 6, verse 30 and 31. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Proverbs 6.30 says, Do not men despise a thief. Now, that's ganav, That's our word. Even if he steals to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. In other words, there's no excuse for thievery. Everybody hates a thief. That's what the writer here is saying. And mm-hmm. if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. Now, the interesting thing to me is that the Hebrew word "substance" is our word hey, uh, hey vav noon? Right. So, so I find it interesting that now, by the way, I looked at every occurrence of the Hebrew uh, ganav, and I looked at every occurrence of the Hebrew word hey, vav, nun, and I only found one example in the biblical text where the two occur together in context. All right. So basically Mm -hmm. it says, if a thief is found, everybody hates a thief. I don't care what his excuse is. Everybody hates a thief. But if he's found, he's going to restore all the uh, hey, vav, nun, whether that's Mm -hmm. wealth or property however you translate it. So I did find that interesting. Now, another point, and we brought this up before. If you're a forger, why would you introduce something if your whole point is to prove that it is an ancient text? And you don't know any better. Why would you not? I mean, why wouldn't you just pick a word for property or for wealth or for substance or whatever that occurs frequently in a text that's arguably ancient. Why right. would you? Why would you use a? Why word would you make
0: it more difficult for yourself as a potential um, uh, exactly. a tool for? Yeah, right.
1: So I find that uh, as as a very interesting argument. And again, uh, Edan is a brilliant scholar, Professor Dershowitz, and and his point his point is: Look, stop using this as an excuse to put this as a late text. Just because it doesn't occur uh, in the Pentateuch, many of which, many of those texts are considered by scholars to be uh, after the exile anyway. I know that many mm. of the religious folks wouldn't agree with that. But, uh, but, but there, there, are, there are ways that we can look at a text, and based on the vocabulary, and you, know, you and I used the example one time in a previous class, if Thomas Jefferson's letter was discovered, and he used the word groovy. You know, people would go, wait a minute, Right. wait a minute. I, they didn't say groovy in the time of Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> uh, but but that's the idea. So the, it's the same argument that detractors of the Moses scroll or the valediction of Moses have, have put forward that argument about mm. a, a word which generally appears in later text to occur in a document which is, as they would put it, pretending to be ancient, Right. Sure, sure. So I, I think that that's right. uh, that's interesting. What else you got? I, I've got. have well, got a few points on this, but I'm I'm ready.
0: Well, well I was just wondering because you mentioned Leviticus 19. Can we just go back there just for a second? Absolutely. Uh, because uh, another thing we'd like to highlight when we're there is uh, the fact that the Moses Scroll has 10 commandments and that the, as opposed to nine, and that the tenth commandment uh, is represented in. Leviticus nineteen seventeen, if I remember correctly, is that right? Right. There's a number of parallels in Leviticus nineteen, and once you're familiar with the Moses Scroll and you've read the Decalogue as it appears there, it becomes fairly obvious that Leviticus nineteen is another attempt at recalling the Ten Words, mm-hmm. and uh, because, as, as we've already mentioned, the various parallels. Now, you highlighted uh, Leviticus 19.11, where it says, uh, you shall not steal. This is, let me just read it again, because, okay, so I've got it here. You shall not I, steal. But Wait, you, wait, by the way, I know what you're going to do here. I'm excited about it. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just saying, it. it you, you shall not steal. You shall not uh, uh, deal deceitfully, uh, falsely with one another. Uh, you shall not swear. Now, this is verse 12. You shall not swear uh, falsely by my name. Mm -hmm. Uh, profaning the name of your God, I am Elohim. Of course, now that's the same order um, this commandment is uh, attempting to recall the next word that we're going to go to in the next program uh, but you discovered something, and I'm not going to go there just yet, but you did discover something before we went on air, which was really, really cool, and I know you're going to address it, but I want to jump that just for a second if we can, and we're going to come back to it. But verse 13, okay. uh, you shall not defraud your neighbor, your fellow, uh, you shall not commit robbery. So that's um, uh, 1913a. Uh-huh. So let me just let me just read to the listeners, because we haven't done this yet. Okay, and it's always worth doing because it expands upon the definition or, uh, or the boundaries of the commandment, if you like. Uh, the commandment is in the Moses Scroll. It says, "You shall not steal the property of your brother." Mm-hmm. The corresponding blessing states, "In and now, of course, as we keep pointing out, uh, the the blessings, the blessed bees, if you like, are not found within Deuteronomy. They're missing, uh, but they are in the Moses Scroll. And in the Moses Scroll, it says." Blessed is the man who does not wrong his neighbor. That's the corresponding blessing to right. you shall not steal the property of your brother. Blessed is the man who does not wrong his neighbor. Mm-hmm. And the corresponding verse, as it appears in the, in the Moses scroll and also in Deuteronomy 27:17, I think, is cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's land boundary, mm-hmm. his boundary mark. So the the uh, let's say you have a a stone set up to mark the the boundary of your uh, property. Yeah. So the th- the thing I find interesting about that Ross is that um, you have uh, some parallels in in Leviticus nineteen thirteen. You shall not oppress your neighbour or right. rob him. Oppress uh, and rob are different words to what's represented in the um, uh, in the Moses scroll with the blessings and the curses, but yet the idea is there. And again, Leviticus nineteen is trying to recall that. Uh, again, both blessing and curse of the Moses scroll finds parallels in Leviticus twenty five fourteen. You want to go there for a second? Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, Leviticus 25, so, 14.
0: Leviticus twenty five fourteen. So Leviticus twenty five is it, it begins, I think, dealing with the Ovel, uh, the the year of rest uh it might be the shemitah the mm-hmm. it might be both and it goes on to say in verse 14 that if you make a sale of land it's talking about land if you make a sale of land uh to your neighbor and here we have that qualifier again yeah uh or if you buy from your neighbor land mm-hmm. uh you shall not wrong one another right and I thought it was interesting that it's uh, the Hebrew word for wrong. Uh, it can also be translated as to vex or to oppress. Mm-hmm. Uh, the term in this case in Leviticus twenty-five fourteen, I think, is tonu, uh, mm-hmm. lotonu. Don't don't uh, tonu it comes from the root yana, which is the form that we find in the blessings of the of the Moses Scroll. Ah,
1: interesting. it's no, a good find. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: So there yeah. we go. Now. Okay. Do you want to? Do you, do you have any comment on that, or do you want to go into your uh, the the exciting find that you found before? the Well, program?
1: well, I do want to touch on what you just said in that. What what is really going to tie this together, I think, for the listeners. Uh, someone just reviewed my book on Amazon. They just uh, just recently posted hey. it last week, and one of the All things right. that that really impacted this this person was this idea that, that we show that the Moses scroll contains, where it does have a commandment or a word from the 10 words mm. with corresponding blessings and curses. And and that, to this person, was one of the most convincing proofs of the authenticity of the document. And mm. I agree sure. with that. You know, yeah. as, as we pointed out often, it's like uh, the, the Pentateuch as we have it, doesn't even contain the blessings. In in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. 27, it only contains the curses. So a, as we get to uh, that part of the Moses scroll, where we go through the blessings and the curses, we're going to come back uh, and and touch on the 10 words again. We have to, because I think, as you indicated just a moment ago, this shows what we believe to be uh, a little bit of an expansion of the view of what does it mean low tick move mm. what do you what do you mean not to steal for, well one of the ways that you could steal and you shouldn't steal is that you can move uh you're you're basically encroaching on your neighbor's property and and that's stealing mm-hmm. you're you're moving mm-hmm. a landmark so anyway so i think that that's Well let me let me, let me give you i'll yeah. give you
0: a recent example so uh, I was um, uh, in, in my, my bedroom. My bedroom's at the back of the property. And of course, I have a neighbor uh, at the back of my property. It, there's the boundary mark, and then there's another property behind me. And uh, as I was <laughs> attempting to sleep the other night, I could hear the neighbor's dog uh, whining and and really uncomfortable, not happy about being where it was Uh and it was just keeping me it was literally robbing me of my sleep right right and and it was unusual and i'm thinking what is wrong with this dog well it appears and i i'm not exactly sure of the details but i I think it may have been doing the same to them and they decided you know what the dog's kind of um it wants to come inside we don't want it to come inside or something like that we're going to lock it in the pool enclosure at the back of the property that way it's going to stop bothering us well Uh it stopped bothering them yeah but it started bothering me And so, it was encroaching, and it was literally robbing me of my sleep. I had to get up, go and knock on the door, and say, "Hey, I think your dog's pretty upset. Do you want to? Do you want to sort of help it out there?" Yeah. Do you want to? And they solved the problem, and that was fine. Oh,
1: well, that's good. So, so your neighbor, your neighbor was a good neighbor then. Your neighbor responded positively to your request.
0: Yeah, that's right. Exactly.
1: Well, that's good. That's good. But I understand that point, and and so the idea, you know, one thing is you as you mentioned this Leviticus nineteen. Does have quite a bit about neighbor, and if you look at the canonical ten words, you see neighbor and so forth. Now, one thing, and this leads us into this discovery. I have to give just a little bit of a build up. Um, I I had in when I read Edan's book, one of the things that he brings up as a proof or proofs of the authenticity of what he calls the Valediction of Moses. I call the Moses mm-hmm. Scroll. What he does is he says, you know, it's interesting that when you look at the 10 words in the Mesoretic text, you have some things which correspond to prophetic text. I, let me give you an example, Jono. Mm-hmm. Um, look at Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 9. Uh, Jeremiah 7 and mm-hmm. verse 9. Now, what what uh, Edan calls these is intertext, where... Uh, a prophet is mentioning as if he's ticking off from the Ten Words. You know, it's like he's referring to uh, the Ten Commandments, if you will. Mm. So, for instance, in Jeremiah 7, 9, it says, Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, and swear falsely? And burn incense to the Baal and walk after other gods whom you know not and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name and so forth. So he mm-hmm. said, okay, here's here's his point. Now, by the way, he brings up quite a few of these. Jeremiah 7 is one of them. Clearly, uh, Jeremiah is he's he's correlating the word of God with the Ten Commandments, basically, at least in part. So we have... Mm-hmm. Steal? All right. Will yes. you? Will you steal? We? Are you kidding? Me? Will you steal? Well, that's clearly a reference to the ten words: Exodus twenty, verse fifteen; Deuteronomy five, verse nineteen. Lo tignoth. You're not supposed to steal. And the question is, will you steal? Well, then, mm. what about commit adultery? Uh, what about murder? Sure, that's part of it. Uh, you can find that in Exodus twenty and Deuteronomy five. What about commit adultery? Sure, Exodus twenty, Deuteronomy five. But here's one swear falsely. Mm. Now you you could say, well, you know, it says, don't lift the name of the Lord, your God in vain. Maybe that's what he's referring to. Well, why didn't he say that? Because in the 10 words, there's a way to say, lotisa, you're not supposed to lift the name, so forth. So his point is, and we're going to get into this next week, but, but just, I just wanted to touch on this idea that the one thing that is a flag in Jeremiah 7 is swear falsely. And so mm-hmm. what swear falsely is, is uh, the root word swear in a certain formulation of, of the verb, and the word falsehood associated with it doesn't really occur that many times in the Hebrew Bible. It's, in fact, it's mm-hmm. only a few times in the Tanakh it doesn't appear at all in the canonical 10 words. So that made me do a search because I always, right. I have a great deal of respect for Idan and Don Der, Dershowitz. But, mm. but I, I said, huh, okay. He says that it only occurs here and here. Let me see. So I do a mm. search. I use Accordance. Professor Dershowitz uses Accordance. And one mm-hmm. of the texts that I found is one that he, quotes, and it's from Zechariah 5, but what he doesn't point out, as far as I recall, and I looked, and I've I've sent him a note and said, am I missing something? And he probably would respond if he didn't mention this and say, well, it was outside the scope of what I was doing. But anyway, Mm. go with me, Jono, to Zechariah 5, and I want to talk about an interesting, and this, by the way, is going to lead us up to a nice place to wrap things up in yeah. this class and mm-hmm. give us something for next week. All right, here we go. Zechariah 5, beginning in verse 1. I'm reading from the Koran Jerusalem Bible. Mm-hmm. Then I turned and lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a flying scroll. And he said to me, What seest thou? And I answered him, I see a flying scroll. The length of it is 20 cubits. The breadth of it is ten cubits. And he said to me, this is the curse that goes over the face of the whole earth. For every thief has been hitherto quit of this which is on it. And every false swearer has been quit of this which is on it. I have now produced it, says Hashem of hosts. And it shall enter into the house of the thief and into the house of him that swears falsely by my name Mm. shall remain in the midst of his house and shall consume it with the timber of it and the stones of it. And it goes on. So now let me explain what has me excited about this. So here is a vision of a flying scroll, Jonah. I want you to close your Mm -hmm. eyes and imagine a scroll flying through the air and on it, There's a curse, and it's associated with two things. And the things it's associated with are thievery, which in Hebrew is ganav, followed by uh, a Hebrew phrase that is hanishba bishmi lasheker, one who swears in my name to deceive or for falsehood. Now, what I find interesting about that is that it matches precisely the order, just like you showed us in Leviticus 19 tonight, Mm -hmm. of theft, which is uh, the root word ganav, followed immediately by one who swears falsely in my name. Mm -hmm. Now, this, I think, is interesting because it doesn't match... Uh, what we have in the 10 words, but it does right. match what we find in the Moses scroll of the Valediction of Moses. And for that, mm-hmm. next week... Now, by the way, let me just tease the people just a little bit, Jono. Yeah. This commandment that we're going to next week or this word uh, about swearing in the name falsehood, it does not occur in that form in the canonical text in Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy 5. Um, And people that are familiar with the phrase, uh, as it's typically translated, um, you were working on this earlier when we talked about uh, this transgenerational curse is the way it's typically understood. Mm. That is associated with one commandment in the Masoretic text, but that... Command, or that addition, is here in the Moses Scroll associated with swearing falsely by the name.
0: That's right. Swearing falsely by the name to deceive, even That's more right. specifically. But uh, the uh, the generational curse is associated in the canonical texts with the first commandment. Um, there's an enormous amount, uh, and and it really took a little while to get through this and 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 wrap our brain around it because it was difficult to do so because of the way that we were preconditioned to think uh, via the uh, the text within the Pentateuch. So we're right. going to unwrap that. That's going to be a big program next week. But that is the next commandment that we're going to be dealing with.
1: That's right. So think about the flying scroll that Zachariah saw. Did he see a magnum version of the Moses scroll or something similar to it? What is it that he sees? I propose... That, that he is looking at a text before his eyes in this vision, the curses of which are associated with thievery and swearing falsely. Those two occur in the Moses scroll in that order, and that's where we're going next, next
0: week, and I'm looking forward to that one. That one's just going to yeah, be a lot to it. unpack. That's where we're at. And uh, so, quick program, but it's going to be a uh, fairly in-depth one next week. That's where we're at. That's it for this week, and we hope that you have a great one. Have a beautiful week.